hey, uh, Ben Heyman, uh, you guys here, you got to show the Monday locker room. Can't imagine being all that good. I'm not going to forget the 12 minutes that you and Stevie and that other schmuck Papadon spent burying me on the Conspiracy Horseman podcast for no reason whatsoever. I will get you back someday. I hope to see you face to face. You better watch out for him. Starcast 2018, the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, and we are joined today by the innovator of DDP Yoga, former WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Diamond Dallas Page. DDP, welcome to the show. Good to be here, man. Good to be here. They, uh, walking in here, they, I guess Starcast is literally taking over this whole fucking hotel. And, and it's not just <laughs> this one. It's not just this one, because we're not staying at this hotel. We're actually up the road like 15 minutes, and that one sold out, too. Wow. I mean, this is this is such a really cool phenomenon, man. It's super special for me because it's Cody. You know, I've known him since he was 10 years old. And it's just uh, super special. Did you ever imagine anything like this happening, whether it be an independent show, anything outside of WWE? Really? Anything outside of WrestleMania. Yeah, but you know, this is really a WrestleMania access kind of this crowd. Is, this is a... Um, you know, it's what WrestleCon did, but they piggybacked on Mania. This created its own, which is, that's a whole different level, you know? How long, so you said you've known Cody since he was 10. 10 years old, yeah. How long, how about the rest of the guys, the Young Bucks? How long I don't, I've them? never met him. I'm looking really? forward. Yeah, I've never met him over the period of time, and if I did, it was when they were babies, <laughs> you know? But I, I watch them, and, uh, you know, cause when, when Cody came out, and I'd already heard about him, you know, and I'd heard, like, the legend that goes with these guys. And then I started seeing some matches with them, and I was just like, wow. I mean, they they take, I don't know, I just said, they, they could take the most abuse I've seen since, you know, a Jeff Hardy, you know, a, uh, um, a Rey Mysterio. Yo, who can just do the most crazy shit, you know? And, and you know, I was there, and when Ray first came in, you know, and if you have to go all the way back, that Ray, when and when I started wrestling, and I was in 1991, I didn't get to be the um, the um, rookie of the year because Eric Watts came in the last three months and got that push ahead of me, and he's one of my best friends, Eric. But he got rookie of the year because he beat Arn Anderson. They had him go over everybody. And I was so pissed because I worked so hard to get that. And I thought, well, Meltzer will give me the rookie of the year. He knows. He knows no one worked harder than I did. No one accomplished more than I did. And then I'm looking at the sheet, and I'm like, who the fuck is Rey Mysterio? <laughs> so I, I guess Rey came in when he was about 18. And I want to say it was like 94, 5, 6, somewhere, 396. All I know is when I heard his name, I walked out to the curtain to watch him. And as soon as I saw him in there for 30 seconds, I went, I was number two. Like by a long shot. You know, but my point is about the, you know, the, the abuse you take in the ring. Like I work with all... Now I'm down, I'll be down on October 15th, I'll be back at the WWE Performance Center. 
working with the NXT crew. Who, by the way, put a lot of punishment on their body. The stuff you guys are all watching NXT, to me, that show was unbelievable. Their, their takeovers just take it to another level. You know, um, but again, it's all about taking care of your body and healing your body, getting to the show, getting all those kids want to get to Raw or SmackDown because that's the show. Well, you work your ass off to get there. When you get there, you got two jobs. Be the best performer you can be. The other job is don't get hurt. And you can see how every, no one will get hurt for a while, then guys will start dropping. And it's like, you can't fake gravity, man. Well, we even saw that a couple of years ago going into WrestleMania. There was a ton of injuries. Was That's what I'm talking about. I was going to jump in and just kind of ask, you know, talk about, you know, here at All In, all the people this has touched, the movement that's happening here, that you kind of speaking your, your own movement. You know, did you ever imagine way back when you had thousands of fans, you're traveling the world, that, and to like today, the DDP yoga, that you would touch so many individuals like that? You know, it's funny about, you guys all know Brian Alvarez, right? Yes, absolutely. So, Brian, I've known Brian since the beginning. He did my program and stuff. And when he went on to his radio show, and I guess it's got to be eight years ago now, maybe nine years ago. And he said to me, nine years ago, he said, so where do you see Diamond Dallas Page? And back then it was called YRG, Yoga for Regular Guys. He said, where do you see DDP and YRG five years from now? I said, truth. And I don't speak anything else but that. I said, Diamond Dallas Page is about to become the new Jack Mullane meets Tony Robbins meets straight Richard Simmons. Awesome. That's a pretty accurate description. And... Where I really believe what today is known as DDPY or DDP Yoga, I honestly believe it's going to dwarf my wrestling career. And he said, like, I love the program, but that's a bold statement. I said, yeah, it is. But I'm telling you, bro, I can tell by the lives it's changing that it's going to happen. So then, I guess it was six years ago, five years ago? I go into the Ring of Honor, and I'd already gone into the, you know, uh, the National Wrestling Alliance, but I go into the National, because that's like shoot wrestling, and wrestling, but really shoot wrestling, but they brought me in as humanitarian award, right, for the whole thing. Then ROH calls me, and they said they want to put me in for the um, humanitarian award, and I'm listening, and I'm going, you know, I've you know, I'm, I'm, I, I actually predicted this, bro. I go, but what do you think about my wrestling career? <laughs> and he goes, oh, no, no, bro. We're putting you in for the wrestling, too. You're going to be the first guy. That's why we wanted you on the 50th anniversary. We wanted you to be the first guy to get two awards. Nice. That awesome. was super, super fucking cool to me. You know? we're, we're getting the wrap-up signal here. I want to thank you so much for stopping by. Obviously, you've got all of Media Road to go here. Yeah, I got a few I, to go. I, I have a feeling this gentleman's going to give me a diamond cutter if I don't give you out of here. Well, so let thank me ask you so it. much for stopping well, by. One of the things, I'm going to give you guys 30 days free on the app. Well, let me, let me share this with you before you take off. Uh, a couple of years ago, I'm a big listener of Chris Jericho's podcast. Sure. 
and I have the complete program at home. I've been doing it now pretty actively for about two and a half months, and I'm down about 17 pounds. Tremendous, bro. So thank you But how's your so body much. feeling? Because you know my the weight loss. To, my, my biggest thing is my lower back is just shot. It's been shot since I played football in high school. Right. I wouldn't be standing here today. Right, you're that standing on God side. Promise <laughs> but it wasn't for you. Have you tried the app yet? No, I have not because I got in on the program before the app was right. even available. Right, so the app is, there's nothing like it. You guys got, I'll tell you what, just review it. I don't give a fuck what you say. Say, whatever, say what you really feel. You guys review it and get back to me in 30 days and let me know what you think of it. I'm on board. Certainly will. You'll, find, you'll be able to send me the thing, send a picture of my guys and send something out. Perfect. Thank All you right, so boys, much. it's been your pleasure. Thank you, Dallas. Thank Very you, much. sir. Appreciate you. Self-high-five. Salutations. This is Dalton Castle. Hi, this is Allie. Hello, everyone. This is Bill After. And you're listening to Hitting the Marks. Oh, I get it. It's a pun. The following program is presented by Hamid Media and is rated NSFW for mature audiences only. wrestling enthusiasts you're about to go where every diehard fanatic wants to be it's monday and you're tuned into the locker room here on hacker hami oh that's gonna be great yes that is perfect it's the latest news event previews and reviews we are taking over it just seems completely asinine to me the inside scoops and the hottest takes Woo! it's all about my shar shar baby you and your precious fucking shar shar you're about to go inside the locker room with Michael Jargo. In the 917, they call me El Capitan. 15 years I've been touring this country. Flair is the go. We can debate number two. If I know one thing, it's television. And Rick Vickery. It's me, it's me! It's an R to the B to the V. Over two decades experience in events and promotions. A passion for pro wrestling spanning 34 years. I represent the spirit of the American entrepreneur owner and operator of Herd Marketing Consultant. And this is hashtag LCDB, lowest common denominator booking. I just think we should expect better from the biggest wrestling company in the freaking world. Tell me how you really feel. Well, I think Roman Reigns is a Welcome to the Locker Room is presented by the Hacker Hameen Media Group. It is Monday, September 3rd, 2018, and you are in the locker room here at hackerhameen.podbean.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, and I am too tired to do a big introduction today. So, ladies and gentlemen, RBV, Rick, welcome back inside your hotel room. I mean, the locker room. Well, lucky enough for both of us, I've still got plenty of energy going. So, it is me, it is me, it is that R to the B to the V, Rick Vickery here, back in the locker room. Man, I am still buzzing from last night's big event. Uh, I actually still so hyped. I, you know, I'm ready to. Uh, I, I want to share all the experience with everyone out there in the locker room. But after we're done cutting here, it's off to the final few hours of Starcast. Some big shows I want to pick up today. But Jargy, you know, 
When we, when we got back last night and, and we're kind of reflecting on the show and, and we're prepping, uh, or, I mean, reflecting on All In and thinking about the show we're going to cut here today, it got me thinking about, you know, about life and, and professional wrestling and, and pretty much this funk that I've been in, you know, probably for the better part of six to eight weeks. And I figured out what it was. With WWE, it's like being in a loveless marriage. You're holding on because, you know, it's kind of just best for for your lifestyle, the way things are going. And you do remember the good times. You're, you remembered when you actually cared for one another. But then something happens. You know, you go out of town on a business trip and you meet someone in the hotel lounge. And they make you feel special again. Everything that, that maybe you fell in love with with your other your other partner, they bring all that emotion back. And that's what this weekend was all about. This weekend was about falling back in love with professional wrestling. Uh, From top to bottom, everything from Thursday when we walked through the doors to set up on Podcast Row to meeting all the other great podcasters, the fans, uh, sitting down with DDP, to just, you know, throughout the next couple days, roaming the floor, talking to all the great talents, you know, taking in all the, the shows that, uh, the information that you had to absorb here it was just insane. Uh, it has just been an all-around incredible weekend. I know we're going to dive into the show here in a little bit, the All In Show. Of course, uh, off the top, you heard our our good friend Glenn Gilberti, and uh, he had some nice words for his friend Ben Heyman. We had to absolutely reach out and get that audio, so we wanted to open the Monday locker room with that. And Glenn. The Monday Locker Room is a good show. Thank you very much. Then, of course, you heard from Diamond Dallas Page. We're going to throw that in off the top. And Huckleberry, we are here to talk about All In. This is going to be kind of a a review show. If you came here looking for your Monday Night Raw preview, if you came here looking to see me and Rick argue about his precious Char Char and, and Becky the Dragon Steampunk, tune in next week because we ain't doing none of that this week. This week... It's all about all in. Huckleberry, let's start with... Well, I would say, can, I, can I get one little uh, Sharshar note in there before we get rolling here? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say that... Uh, there, I mean, she's standing right there. I was going to say, there is, there's five foot eleven of beautiful over in the corner looking at me, and I'm looking at her, and uh, it's some great motivation. Let's just say if, uh, you know, hashtag all in, got it moving that way, but uh, sitting here looking over at Sharshar in the corner is going to keep me up. For this entire show. And for your entire ride home and your entire time that for basically the rest of your life. I told you Charlotte Flair was going to be in Chicago and you didn't believe me. Uh, Let's kind of start with some overall thoughts, man. Um, Of course, we had Zero Hour airing on WGN. Then shifting over to the main card on pay-per-view. Rick, as soon as we walked into that building, we could tell we were there for something special. It was just the the feeling inside that room. I can't wait to go home and watch this damn thing on, whether it be Honor Club or New Japan World, and see how the whole thing played on television. But I know what it felt like inside that room last night, and I don't think that I have ever felt anything like that, whether it be in a Chicago wrestling crowd or anywhere else. Well, you know, the, the chills really started at StarCast, and just seeing the energy and the passion uh, from from the fans, you know, the 11,000 that were going to fill that arena and bring this show to life. Uh, it, it was something very special, something unique. And 
And last night while prepping for the show, you know, I took to the internet and went to see what, you know, what the vibe was like. What, what was the word? What were people saying about this event? Start off here on a very positive note. I mean, you're talking about a day where college football has kicked off its season. All the big boys are in action and hashtag all in was the number one trend in the world. In the world, not in the United States, in the world. Uh, it was dominating. Um, I do want to say that, you know, there were some naysayers out there. A lot of the, the WWE defenders. Oh, I don't like, it's just not anyone in particular. I know some of these listeners, I had some personal conversations with them. This isn't a personal. This isn't a shot at you, Jersey. I will tell you personally to go fuck yourself, but this is for everybody else. No, there, there was, you know, there was a dozen or so you know, out there that didn't really understand what was going on here. So I, you know, I really wanted to try to explain why All In was so special. You know, this was a coming together to show that there isn't just one dominant wrestling promotion in this world, that they can put together something that is going to present different styles for a variety of individuals, something you don't get in the WWE. You know, WWE is comparable to like a Lego set. There's, there's different colors, there's different size blocks, but ultimately they all serve the same purpose. And at any time when you're building something, if you can't find a certain one that you actually want, you can easily just grab another one and plug it in and you can go right back to what you were doing. That's what WWE represents. And that's great for them. They, you know, they're the top company in the world. Their business model right now, they're doing better business than they ever have. That doesn't speak to their wrestling product because it is absolute garbage. And anyone who tries to defend that is just batshit crazy all around from even the, you know, their, their watered down in-ring style. And that's okay because it's a safer style. That's what they do. That's where they need to be. That's in what their they have model. to do to do that 255 days a year. Right. But there is a need out there for a different style. There's a, there's a need and a want for an alternative. And really what you saw last night at All In, it's, it really wasn't, I wouldn't say it's the beginning because it has been there. You know, it's been there with Ring of Honor. It's been there with Lucha Underground. It's been there with New Japan, from the promotions in Mexico, from Impact Wrestling. But what All In did was give a true center stage and the brightest spotlight for all of that to come together. There were so many different styles of matches, different characters, different stories being told on this show. Like I said, this was something for everyone. Uh, this goes back to, the, you know, those great moments, uh, maybe like when the franchise throws the NWA t- championship down on the ground and we ring in the era of extreme. Uh, Hulk Hogan, you know, forming the NWL, moments like that. Hell, let's even go back, you know, if we're talking about w- in comparison to WWE, you keep hearing, well, you know, WWE's still bigger, they're better, WrestleMania still is going to smoke something like that. Well, yeah, of course they are. But let's not, don't get so far ahead of yourself because it was just a few decades ago that Vince himself was the risk taker and everyone said he was crazy and that they could never achieve anything that the territories in NWA would run him down for trying to do the national expansion, trying to go to pay-per-view, trying to move into merchandising, trying to move into these brave new areas and look where he's at today. It takes someone with, you know, the, the guts and the courage that we saw from Cody and the Bucks and everyone buying into this thing, everyone coming together to be all in to make a movement move forward. Of course, we also, when you talk about WWE, there's this narrative out there that we want WWE to go out of business. We don't want WWE to go out of business. We just want them to tighten up and actually do what it is that they do and quit pretending like you're something that you're not. I will, just one more note on WWE before we switch you over to you know get into the show. For all these people you know out there, well, they're always going to be the biggest. No one can ever topple them. Yeah. 
I remember when WCW fans said that in 1997 too. Well, everything, everything dies. Everything goes away. And this, this kind of reminds me of something that Kevin Sullivan and Eric Bischoff were talking about in the death of WCW show that, that I attended this weekend. WWE hits $100 on stock. They're going to sell that thing. A very real buyer for that could be Disney. Not saying immediately they start changing things, but over, you know, maybe you say five, 10 years, um, you know, the higher up management at Disney changes. They really don't have any desire to be in a professional wrestling business is exactly what happened to WCW. A little time warmer. There were certain things that they liked. They loved loved the ratings, but you know what? It was still professional wrestling. You start changing what the networks want and you slowly start killing off, you know, the wrestling product. And now that WWE is so diverse, you know, they can break that thing apart. They could just use their production department. They can take the film and merge that in somewhere else and eventually just phase out everything we know about the in-ring from WWE. That was a wonderful segue because the next thing I actually wanted to ask you about was the actual production value of All In. What did you think of the stage setup, the lighting, the presentation being inside the building? From an insider's perspective, it blew you away right when you went in there. It was awesome. Uh, the, it, the stage setup was great. It, it really it, it elevated from anything you would expect from, well, I guess we can get an indie show. Yeah. This thing was over the top. Yeah, it, it felt like the Ring of Honor stage setup on crack cocaine turned up to 11 and then the guy drank a cup of coffee and did some meth too. It was like a, a Ring of Honor stage setup to the nth degree. That's what, what it reminded what me of. What I really of. liked of it, though, is, you know, I kind of guess maybe a pet peeve of mine that, that everyone has to use kind of that same model. But I guess th- things that are familiar is good for business. People like to be familiar with what's going on. But just even how they use their lighting uh, and the use of the pie rail. Yeah. You know, that, that got a big pop from a lot <laughs> of the fans in attendance, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure how much of that actually made uh, air of... Uh, Matt, Nick, and Cody coming out and testing the pyro before the show, but that was absolutely hilarious. That was a great way to start off the show. And I even I more so liked it because it was more reminiscent of like the old WCW pyro, yeah, which was great. Uh, the, the lighting, you know, the, the way that they would move, you know, with the entrances, things like that. Everything flowed. You know where your eyes should have been at at all times. Uh, not not nothing really flashy, too over the top but just right. The only thing I don't like about the way that they had things set up last night was I don't like stairs on the entrance ramp. That just seems like a recipe for absolute disaster. I've seen ROH do it several times. I've seen NXT do it. I've seen New Japan do it. And when you got somebody like Matt Jackson, who's going to take a running dive off of the stairs, or you got somebody like Hangman Page who's trying to throw Joey Janela through a series of tables. Those stairs can get pretty dangerous. Let's let's just get stairs out of the entrance. Do you ramp. think there was something? Because there was there were so many like small, like just the little subtle differences that they would put in there, or the nuances that were so reminiscent of traditional wrestling. Mm-hmm. So these stairs are kind of a part of that because you can you center think going, stage. It you think going back, you know that was always a part of that in there. Yep. Uh, I even like you know the the over. You know, the overbundance of almost like ringside photographers mm-hmm. was very cool. I was kind of, I got to admit, I was looking to see if Mr. Bill after was going to be one of the photographers down there. He should have been. That, that would have been nice, you know, bring him down there for a couple matches. But I guess my understanding, I was checking out some photos from some of our brothers over at the one wrestling video, one wrestling.com and an after chat. 
Uh, looks like they had a pretty nice suite. Uh, they, I guess they were, they were exactly opposite of the entrance up in the oh, suites. Oh, very cool. So they, they had a nice shot. And I, I guess while we're here, just shout out to Strangler Steve. Him and the 2CW crew were up in their own suite. Uh, and actually, it looked like, Jugger, that they were overlooking our shoulder. So they were right behind us up in the suites in, on the hard side. I was very happy with our seats. That's for sure. Uh, uh, we ten, were ten rows up. Ten rows up, right on the aisle. I absolutely could not complain. No, not, not even ten rows up. Ten rows back, but we were just like three rows up from the split, so we were just elevated eye level. Perfect seats. Great seats. Absolutely. Some props to uh, Mr. Dave Hancock, friend of the show, for uh, hooking up uh, all of media with. Uh, a, just a great section and it was fun sitting there with a lot of our other media people that we met on podcast row i had super kicking it with kelsey sitting right behind me me and kelsey talking smack between okada and skirl that was fun i was gonna tell you I mean, she's got she is very energetic yes yes she she's is very passionate about what she does uh, and it, it's it's i guess it's kind of refreshing to see someone that just has such a, a bright perspective on on all of wrestling <laughs> when uh, we're so damn cynical Hey, I actually want to give her credit. She was the one that caught Penta rolling out of the ring and then rolling back into the ring before anyone knew what was going to happen. I, we're going to get to that in a moment. but I'm very interested to see how that played on television, just what the camera shot looked like. And of course, we will talk about Penta and uh, what happened in just a couple of minutes. Let's start things off with Zero Hour. Show kicks off with SCU taking on the Briscoes. I think one of the biggest surprises that I have had this entire weekend is how freaking over SoCal Uncensored is. It's absolutely ridiculous. Then you have the ROH Tag Team Champions, the Briscoes, come out. And Rick, we have this strange thing. This really, really crazy thing happened where like 95% of the people in the audience wanted the good guys to win the match and then there was those five percent of assholes who were pulling for the dirty heels like heaven forbid there be good guys and bad guys and yeah. it works great that you bring that up so let's go ahead and give the props to the fans here this is probably going to be one of the the smarkier you know fan bases the smarkier crowds that you're going to find at any show this is the smarkiest the crowd anywhere around the globe but what's funny about it was they weren't trying to hijack the show. It was not about the audience. Nope. When we were presented a match where there was an obvious baby and an obvious heel, the crowd, like, like you said, 95% played along. Obviously, there were those JOs that still wanted to try to take it upon themselves and try to, you know, just, you know, rock the ship. But people played along with it. And even when you were kind of divided, you weren't really sure who was in what spot. You know, there were nice, even splits, and it was kind of just friendly banter between the two. And the, the talent, they, I, this had to be intentional because it, it, after a few times of it, it really stood out to me. Anytime that you would hear like a vulgar chant begin, the talent knew to stop whatever they do. It would switch up, their, switch up their gear real quick, slow it down, pull it back, change their direction to kill off any kind of vulgar chants. Yeah, and there wasn't really a whole lot of crazy chants throughout the night whatsoever, at least not that I could hear. Uh, we'll be talking about some of those during uh, Hangman's Exit. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the, the Hangman you know, section was definitely not suitable for the carpool. Lady. I was going to say, there was uh, nothing PG, PG-13, PG-14, NC-17 about that thing. It was, it was off the rating system. 
So your first match, SCU actually defeats the Briscoes. Of course, this was a non-title match. And then uh, later on, we're going to get The Addiction, which is going to be Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian are going to be challenging the Briscoes for the ROH tag team titles. So that's kind of what this whole thing was really setting up. Well, you know, right out right out the gate. So much for this this spot show not doing any business, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, this is just our. This is our warm-up match. Yeah. Not even the main card. This is on WGN America for everybody to see. Now let me ask something here. You know, we talk regularly when we're reviewing shows that they give away so much so early. I mean, this is the pre-show, the first, the first prelim match, and they're doing a lot in this thing. How did you feel about that, Jordan? I enjoyed the match. Um, I thought it was it was a really good showcase of what Ring of Honor tag team wrestling is really all about. And it, it was old school psychology. At a certain point, the Briscoes had Scorpio cut off on their side of the ring. Scorpio's trying to make it over to Frankie to make the tag. Every time he gets a little cut off. Finally, he gets away from Mark Briscoe, gets over, makes the hot tag to Frankie Kazarian. The Sears Center absolutely erupts. It's like, holy crap, a real hot tag. This is how this is supposed to work. I thought it was laid out absolutely wonderfully. I had no issues with this match whatsoever. Was it a five-star match? Of course not. It was the first match on the card. You don't kind of be Seth Rollins and go out there and bury the rest of the show first. Well, I think the difference here is this is your one hour on, on a national television setting. All, you're, you're hoping that you're going to hook a lot of people, those last-minute buys, to go find this thing on Fight, Honor Club, whichever platform they choose. So I think you had to come out with that big energy. You had to let people know, wow, this is something different than I'm used to. This is different than, than what I'm watching on those other channels, on those, all those other nights of professional wrestling. I want to see what – this is just their pre-show? I want to make sure that I'm watching what the hell is happening on this main card here. Yep. And then, of course, we go to the over the budget battle royal. I don't actually have a list of everybody here that was in this thing, but I do have uh, several of them. Uh, Rocky Romero, Bully Ray, Billy Gunn, Tommy Dreamer, Colt Cabana, Brian Cage, Jordan Grace, Moose. Um, and then we also saw, at least the first time I had seen him, Austin Gunn. Um, and then, of course, we had Flip Gordon in disguise winning this thing. I think this was actually my least favorite part of the show because I, 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 I like Flip winning it, but it just felt so predictable. And we had built up so many other great ideas. I almost feel like I would have rather Colt Cabana won this match. Yeah, I could see it there. And it, I, I'm a sucker for Battle Royals. I, I love the whole concept thing. And I know they're really hard to book. And that's what they're just supposed to be fun. And this thing was a lot of fun. They, they did a lot of stuff. They like to, you know, early in this thing, it was kind of confusing to tell who was still in the thing because there were so many dives through the rope. We had so much action going on the outside. I really love Bully Ray in this thing. Man. Yeah, Bully Ray. He just, just came in as everybody. the ass kicker. He was the ass kicker. He, you know, everyone else comes out together. They're all celebrating. An asshole bully just kind of comes strolling out. You know, he's standing out on the zone on the ring. And he is the one that really triggered this entire, like, melee on the outside. You know, he's just pulling people out and just, well, I mean, we open it up. He throws cheeseburger right through a table to get this thing going. Poor cheeseburger. Just getting mindlessly murdered by Bully on a regular basis now. Uh, I have to admit, it took me a couple minutes to figure out that Billy Gunn's son was in this match. 
I just thought it was Billy Gunn. I was like, man, he is all over the place. Yeah, and they look so <laughs> similar. Say, they look so similar. Dolph Ziggler better watch out. You're going to lose his spot to Austin Gunn. Some cool moments in this thing that I do really remember. Punishment Martinez. And uh, oh, who was he eye to eye with? Oh, him and Cage. Yes. That was a big moment. People Those two guys out. squaring off was very, very cool. Hurricane Helms choke slamming just about everybody was absolutely hilarious. Hurricane with a, a big run through the through the match. Props to, to Billy Gunn. Yeah. Uh, he was a workhorse in that battle royal. He, he was doing his job. We all know why he was, you know, departed from W, you know, departed with WWE, but man, he, he looks, he is a, he is unreal. Yeah. And as much as we all out there think that like Brian Cage is this huge monster, this freak of nature. Yeah. Against luchadors. Yeah. Uh, Billy Gunn dwarfed him. Yeah. Billy Gunn dwarfs a lot of people. We, we actually had a conversation about that here at the hotel because Billy Gunn checked in right after us. And uh, my wife, Carly, who I think very well still may be asleep, uh, was commenting on how huge he was. I was like, yeah, and Hunter's way bigger Wait than a minute, him. What? what? At the hotel, she was commenting on how huge he was? Uh, I, I, I see. His arms. Oh, His yeah. arms. I was going to say, I thought you guys pretty much stayed by each other there in time, the entire time. Well, you know, while you were at the after party last night. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, One thing I did like, although I wasn't a big fan of Flip Gordon winning this thing, the one thing I did like was Flip Gordon winning this thing, dressed as another character, underneath of a mask. This is absolutely something Dusty would have booked. This felt like a Dusty finish. You know, looking back, though... And we're talking about giving away things so early in a match. We've seen this. This is one of the knocks on this show. Mm-hmm. We saw two unmaskings on this show. Yeah. And, you know, also, but I don't know if it's such a big issue. I mean, looking back on it, it I, I, I kind of sticks out to me. But later on in the show, when we saw an unmasking, I completely had forgotten about this. That didn't jump out at me. But as we're going to talk through here, there were, I'll just go ahead and throw it out there, you know, during the, the, the street fight. Uh, what was the the lady's name? Penelope uh, Pen- Ford. Penelope. Penelope pulls off an awesome Matrix set, yeah. dodging clotheslines from Hangman. I mean, it was incredible. And then in the next very next match, we've got Flip doing his version of it. And, and then in the main event, Bandito did his version of it. Right. So we had it three times. And out of those, I mean, Penelope's was the best. Yeah. And, and Flip's was the worst. And I just and just to have it in that short period of time. I was like, well, damn, Flip, you just got showed up big time. Yep. I, know, I know it's in your regular moveset, but she just smoked you. I mean, hers were incredible. Yeah. Uh, I really wish Flip would take that out of his repertoire. I, I understand it's cool. I understand it's fun. But forever, I have been saying, somebody just freaking kick him. Somebody just kick him in the head. And finally, during the main event last night when Bandito tried to do that, Matt Jackson obliged, and he super kicked Bandito while he was doing a handstand. That absolutely popped me. Let's uh, let's throw it over to your main card. We'll talk a little bit more about Flip here in a bit. Um, we were told and have been told for weeks now, Hangman Page and Joey Janela was going to be the curtain jerker in a street fight, and instead, your first match of all in is Matt Cross versus... Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. Why? Why why would you do this? I don't feel like 
running an unadvertised match as your curtain jerker is necessarily the uh, wisest move in the world. Well, kind of going in, I, this, you're, you're 100% right. This was unadvertised. But Cody did say that they still had some matches that they were going to drop on us at the yep. show. So we were expecting some things that, that weren't announced. I, I like this as the opener. I thought it was great in, in, in doing its job. Great character work. You know, MJF, I mean, this guy, a lot of people really didn't know who he was. He's coming up fast. Tremendous character work. You know, it wasn't, it, they, they picked up the speed when they had to. They, they hit some of those, you know, those nice pop moves that the fans were looking for to just to kind of get you easing into this thing. But I say, you know, and then every, you know, he was very good at slowing it back down, getting the crowd, you know, establishing that he is the heel. But instead of, you know, embracing, you know, that cool cocky heel that, it, that we tend to see, everyone was giving it to him. They were behind M-Dog. Yep. Um, yeah, I guess we should, for, for those who don't know, Matt Cross is also Son of Havoc in Lucha Underground. Um, when this match started, I, I've seen MJF. Uh, he, he's wrestled in championship wrestling from Hollywood significant amounts of time. He reminds me of the bastard child of The Miz and EC3. That's kind of how I feel about MJF. And, and he's, I think he's actually smaller than Miz. Not that Miz is the biggest guy in the world. Um, but boy, his character work and attitude just really, really stands out for me. Uh, Matt Cross, son of Havoc. Of course, uh, we know that he was working on a broken leg for about a year. Yeah, because that's a real freaking thing. Uh, that's absolutely insane. Great to see him back in the ring. Unfortunately, as far as the match goes... I went out and had a cigarette because I really needed a cigarette and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get another one on this card. Yeah, I was going to call you out here in a, in a couple of times because you had to go make your, uh, go get your fix. Yep, I had to go try to catch cancer. And you, and you missed a few things, but yeah, I thought this thing did its job. Fun little opener, baby goes over. My first thought was in 10 years from now, we're going to be looking at this thing and Matt Cross is going to be that Tito Santana who got the first win at WrestleMania. Yep. Let's move on to uh, Christopher Daniels taking on the arrow, Stephen Amell. First time we got to hear the Bullet Club music tonight, or last night, like two nights ago. What I, I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. Stephen Amell freaking killed this, man. Um, if, if the whole, like, you know, acting, like, major Hollywood star thing ever doesn't work out for Stephen Amell, which it is, he absolutely has a future in professional wrestling. This guy's had two professional wrestling matches. I've been impressed twice. Uh, the guy came out looking, looking badass, looking great, looking the part. You, you could tell the energy was there. He was hyped up. On the flip side of this thing, he's taking on Christopher Daniels. We one of the greatest ever. One of the greatest. We were talking about is, you know, at the top of the show here, you got SCU. The other two, they're out there. They're working as babies. But here it is, you know, it's clearly laid out that Daniels is going to play the role of the heel. So instead of embracing SoCal Uncensored, the fans knew we've got to give it. We got to give it to Daniels. Let him know that he is the he is the hated man in this match. Again, uh, you know, perfect example. No one trying to hijack this show, playing along, and just setting a tremendous environment. 
Yeah, so much fun. And Christopher Daniels is so freaking good. Whether he's working baby, whether he's working heel, personally, I enjoy him much more as a heel just because he's he's so good that he can be cocky about it, and it's great. Uh, Stephen Amell going coast to coast, I about pissed myself. I can't believe that he even attempted, let alone pulled that thing off. Of course, now... But didn't he, did he do that in the match with Cody? He might have, but God, how long ago was that now? <laughs> the, the crowd did eat it up. And, you know, Daniels, obviously the, the general in this match, made Amel look like a million bucks. I mean, it, you could, it wasn't some guy that this was his second match. It's a crossover from Hollywood. It looked like he had been doing this for a couple of years. Yep. And if you want to do Hollywood crossovers, this is how you do it. You get somebody who respects the business, will put in the work, and go out there and give you a performance that's not... Not taking a cheap shot here, but not David Arquette. Well, I don't think you should take the cheap shot there. It's because it, he is someone that cared about the business. I uh, just didn't necessarily have the athleticism. Or go through the proper training and the work ethic. And I, I don't know, man. Well, the, he, the whole he, day- did, he did do some things like that. And, this, and it happened so fast for him. Ever, and, you know, everyone wants to knock him on these things. But let's not forget, too, that big fat paycheck that he got, he donated that back to wrestling. Uh, I believe it went to the Pillman family. That's very cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I never knew I mean, that. So he gave back. Hey, as a matter of fact, Rivera and I are going to be hitting up a show later this evening where he is there. Uh, and we've got some press passes there. And one of our, one of our goals is to track him down. So I'm, gonna, I'm done praising him now. We're going to track him down. We're going we're gonna to put him on spot, put a camera in front of him. And ask him why. We're gonna. We want an answer. When is he gonna? Is he gonna stand up and face Ben Hamin? Yes, I want Ben Heyman versus not Heyman, not Ben Heyman, <laughs> not Ben Heyman, the Hamin. <laughs> Disco was a freaking riot. That was so hold on. Great. What we've got to hear. You've got our cat versus Hamin. I wonder if Disco would would escort our cat to the ring for that match. Oh. That would be priceless. Stevie in one corner. Yes. Disco in the other corner. Hameen versus Arquette. All Ben. Let's make it happen. Uh, I guess we should give the result. It was absolutely surprising to me. Not surprising to you. The Fallen Angel getting the big win here. Hey, you know, another so much for a spot show. Let's do some business. Because... uh, Christopher Daniels is, has beaten Cody's good friend, who, who Cody happened his to have lost to before. And now Cody has something that the fallen angel may, uh, may want. Well, that, that, that could be a very uh, interesting program. SCU, also of note, 2-0 on this show. Good for them. Really, really enjoying SCU. I, SCU has been my surprise of the weekend. Oh, very- I love SCU, of course. Scorpio Sky, friend of the show. I had no idea how over SCU had become thanks to being the elite. Absolutely incredible. Every time those guys walk into any building, everybody knows SCU is there. Let's talk about the uh, women's fatal four-way match. Uh, this is uh, the probably the one thing I will rip on the Chicago crowd for. There was way too many of you that got up to go to use the bathroom during this match. I was a little embarrassed for you because this match was great. Well, it kind of goes back to, you know, people, they feel safe when things are familiar. They, they get into that kind of these trends. You know, it's something, they're conditioned. Women come out, 
okay, I'll go to the bathroom. That was one of the issues here. This was probably my least favorite match of the evening. And, and that is, is by no means a knock. No. Because this thing was so high energy. This thing was a top. And there was a lot of, you know, styles on this show that I particularly don't like. You know, I'm more of that traditionalist. Mm-hmm. So with a lot of this over the top, uh, a lot of some of the non-traditional character work that was going on. But it, it pulled me in because the energy was so great. And I knew that's what I was in store for. But this match itself, it almost seemed, and these, and these women, they went out and busted their ass. Yes, they, they did, did. everything they could. They took their moment to shine. They went out there and put on a performance of a lifetime. And if you go to social media and follow any of the four that were in this match, you can see what this moment really meant to them. Uh, meant to them individually, meant to them as a group. That was something special. But the match itself, it just seemed like they were trying to Felt like they almost tried to do too much. It was almost like they were trying to be too much like WWE's evolution. Mm-hmm. They were trying to make sure that they all got their kind of spots in there. And then I, I don't. It's great that you you want to embrace each other with this thing, and we'll get to like the actual match in a minute. But just the overall thought, it's great that you had this moment. You wanted to to share this together. I just didn't need the the big hug. And, and bow out at the end. I would have much rather seen everybody go for the big hug and the big bow out at the end and had Tessa just lay all of them out. Or even just walk. Yeah, even Tessa just walk away and let the other three have the I, moment. To me, with her winning this thing, I think you've... Because there was a couple times during the show where we saw, I wouldn't say cheap shots, but you know they kind of mocked WWE for a few things. Yes. This is one of the times, I mean, if you could have just had... Blanchard standing tall there and just letting everyone know because you had Tully right there at ringside. You go to a shot with him because you don't want to really bring him in because then you start into where, you know, the Charlotte and the Rick thing where you're trying to make her into this baby. Just go to the shot there. Remind us, you know, that her dad is a horseman too. And this is our workhorse. This is our alpha because she looks like a million freaking bucks. She's young. She's beautiful. She's put together. I mean, you, she's something that any promotion could market and, and push for you know, a decade plus here. That would have been a great image. And you're right, it, it could have worked the other way because we saw that at the beginning where the other three kind of came together. But I do want to say inside the match, they did have a little trouble structuring it. It seemed like one of those triple threats, you know, fatals where it's just yep. matches within a match. You two in, you two out. Rotate. You two in, you two out. Uh, Green, her character work in this thing. She came in, she was playing the hot mess. Yeah, the hot mess, Chelsea Green. Getting 10,000 people chanting hot mess all together. That was uh, one, of the, one of the highlights of the match for me. Uh, the thing that popped me the most in this match, because I'm an Adam Cole mark, Britt Baker coming out to Adam Cole's old entrance music absolutely popped me. I think Britt's given, given Cole a run for the money in, his su- in the super kick department. Yeah, she was uh, throwing, she was throwing super some, kicks left and right. She was throwing some wicked kicks in there. Uh, I thought Britt Baker looked great. Uh, this is really the first time I've gotten to see a full-length match out of her. She's very young. I think she's got a huge upside going forward. Uh, she looked great. As we said, green. Her character, green, green in the ring is always incredible. She, she's just one. She's, she's one of the best in the world when it comes to female wrestling. Uh, Blanchard, you know, she, she's always on her game. Yeah, it's, Tessa's chess. But I also want to you know, give props to you know, maybe the vet 
who kind of took a back seat here, but I thought this was probably one of the better Madison Rain outings that we've seen in quite a while. And it's crazy to think of how long Madison has been around and everything she has done, all the places she has wrestled. One of my favorite moments of this match was when she came out and she climbed up on that turnbuckle right in front of us and she's looking around and you could just read right on her lips. Oh, wow. That was pretty cool. Uh, only thing I really didn't care for in the match, and this is not against Chelsea Green, but my God, okay. If you hit somebody with an unprettier, and then you hit them with a Canadian destroyer, I don't care who it is. There is zero reason for them kicking out. That was just a little much. And then we saw two Canadian destroyers over the course of this night, and neither one finished a match. That, that was one of the themes here, because... A lot of these individuals, you know, coming from different places, their movesets are so similar. Uh, that, you know, again, just one of the knocks on the show is just the repetitiveness of the moves and, you know, the spots. I have said many times, we're going to move on to the next match here. I have said many a times, when it comes to Cody, don't call him Rhodes. Sometimes I just want to see him wrestle like the champion that he has been for a long period of time on the independent scene. It's the same complaint I've had about Nick Aldis ever since he won the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. It's like, I understand you're wrestling in NWA style, but that match you had with Flip Gordon, Flip Gordon was absolutely the start of the match. I'm going to take it all back. I'm going to eat a whole shit ton of crow because Cody Rhodes versus Nick Aldis for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship I'm going to give it five face laps, dude. I loved the ever-loving shit out of this match. It was a traditional, old-school, 1970s, 1980s, NWA, World's Heavyweight Championship match. It was everything I could have possibly wanted it to be, including Cody Rhodes becoming the new NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. You know, we were only a couple matches into this show when this thing went down. Yeah. And this was... You know, looking back at everything, this was the main event. Yeah, absolutely. This was the match with the most at stake, but they didn't want to put it on because it was an NWA-style main event. Could you imagine this match going on after that crazy-ass six-man and then them only getting 11 minutes? 11 minutes for this match would not have done it. Well, the way they structured this card was was perfectly set up. They, yes. they knew what they were doing there. And a lot of people were confused. You know, they were, well, why is this going on? You know, why is this so early? You know, when we knew the main event was going to be six man, but a lot of people were confused, and they were thinking, "Oh, Cody's not going to win this thing." But back to the match stuff and the feeling, the vibe around this thing, even from the intro package, chills. You get chills there, and then you got the grand entrances. And I want to point out, this is how you use legends on a professional wrestling show. Yep, absolutely. You got Cody out first. He's got guys like Tommy Dreamer, DDP with him. Uh, who, who else was with him now? I'm just trying to. Holy cow. There was so I, many I feel, people I feel out there. bad to miss anybody. And then you get the big pop because Pharaoh, the family, the family dog's there. Uh, Brandy, of course, was also out. Glacier. Oh, Glacier, yeah. Um, or, yeah, I think that DDP, Tommy Dreamer, Pharaoh, Glacier, and Brandy. And Brandy. Just the moment he's coming out, and they're taking their time. You've got, he's got the, the crew with him. 
DDP is getting the hype going. You can just kind of tell you got that special moment. Tommy's just got that fierce. I mean, it's about to, this is an, not an extreme in a way we're thinking, but just as an extreme, just emotional moment there coming out. And then the champ makes his way out. Nick Aldis, accompanied by uh, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion Tim Storm, Sean Davari which I'm not exactly sure what Davari's affiliation is with the NWA, but that's absolutely one of the stories I'm looking to follow up on coming out of this show. And, of course, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Well, I don't want to leave him out because, I mean, he, Sam Shaw is also there with him. Yep. Uh, he's, he was working Star Cancer all weekend. This guy looks phenomenal. I yes, don't he know does. why he, I'm guessing he's going to have a, a big role going forward with NWA as they really start to, to showcase themselves with their big show coming up in October. Guy looked phenomenal. He was always a tremendous talent inside the ring. Uh, a shame that he just kind of had that short stint with, with TNA Impact Wrestling. But this is how you use these guys. It's not some comedy sketch in the back. It's not kind of making them a fool or looking for a cheap pop. It's letting you know that of their importance. You know, that this, this is something that is larger than life. These guys are going to be a part of this thing. They escort these two to the ring. And this, to me, this was my match of the evening. What I was most looking forward to, it did not disappointing anyway over delivered this was a classic traditional style match great storytelling uh great great back and forth between two i mean all, all the way this, down to the crimson mask all this comes out this guy looks like a million bucks dude he might be one of the absolute best-looking superstars in all of professional wrestling right now right now nick aldis is in the best shape i have ever seen him in Congratulations to you, Mickey James. Well, when we were we were talking, you know, we we mentioned on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling podcast as we were kind of previewing this show, the weigh-ins, all just came in at 238. Cody was down at 206. And we and we kind of speculated, you know, is Cody gonna try to use his speed game? I actually think it was to give all some leverage because he was throwing Cody around like a rag doll. Yes, he match. was. Yes, he was. It was it, it was a fun match, man. Uh, the one thing that did kind of surprise me about this match, no Billy Corgan. In Chicago, I thought for surely that we would see Billy Corgan make an appearance, if nothing else, than just to present the title to Cody. I, I thought about that, too, especially in the moment. And then I was, I was kind of wondering, you know, this if he wanted to maybe save that for his own moment with the NWA. Then bring sense. out promotion in. So he and it didn't seem, you know, as you know, he interjects himself there. Now he's he's seen more as a a figure in this growing feud now between Aldis and Cody. So maybe he doesn't want to inject any kind of authority thing there. You know, he just wants this to be about his talents and the ten pounds of gold. You know, and he just does his thing running the company. That's kind of what I got from there. A big spot in this match and is you know Brandy sacrificing herself. Aldis looking to pretty much put this thing away as he is manhandling Cody. Uh, Cody's pretty much laid out. Aldis is going up for the kill shot. Not actually the kill shot move, but he's going up there to end this thing from the top. Brandy comes in, sacrifices herself, covers up Cody, and takes the big elbow drop. And boy, did Aldis get all of it. And, I, and he played it perfect. Yes, he you did. You know, the, the look of just concern. And then realizing, wait, I still have my job to do here. And he goes for the pin. And the crowd let him have it. Oh, yes. There was plenty of heat on Nick Aldis. Um, let's talk about the moment. Cody Rhodes becomes NWA World Heavyweight Champion. The only thing that removes his crimson mask are his own tears running down his face as he finally holds that belt. 
It was emotional, man. It was very emotional. It, the the entire arena erupted. I mean, the roof was about to be blown off of that place. Uh, you can and feel- all this sold it. He was heartbroken that he has lost the 10 pounds of gold. You could feel the, the building move. And this is, uh, you know, again, so much for not doing business going yeah. forward. This is just a one, one shot. Uh, get ready for this thing round two. You know it's coming. And it's exactly what the NWA needed when they head to Nashville for their big show in October. They're going to start lining up some big names, as we said, too. You know, I bet you Christopher Daniels is going to have a big match on that show because the new champ, He's he's got he's probably gonna have his eye on that. It wouldn't surprise me if Cody has to defend that title against Christopher Daniels before we even get to the NWA seventieth anniversary get a match in there. Yep, and get get a nice one or two defenses for Cody before. Yeah, just so that the reign's not because we both expect Nick Aldis is taking this to title win this back. thing back and then kind of continue on with the with the plans that the NWA had. Could you see these title defenses possibly even happening like on Ring of Honor television? Absolutely. Um, that's one of the things I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of Joe Coff. I would love to have Joe Coff on the show because I'm very curious what the working relationship between Ring of Honor and the NWA is at this point. If we are going to get some NWA sanctioned championship matches inside of Ring of Honor, you know, not to sell us short here, but this idea would probably be just a little over our heads. But you know, if you, you know how incredible it would be coming out of All In, if you could get the heads of all these companies that were represented here to kind of sit down for a little round table. Wow. Uh, to talk, you know, maybe about how they each felt about this show, how they actually, actually, you know, how they each feel about everyone working together. And I'm talking about, you know, the gentleman from New Japan. Yep. Harold May, Ed Nordholm, Scott Moore, Don Callis. Get, I mean, get all of, all them. of them. Just for, you know, a little round table. Billy Corrigan. Yeah, to, that would be a fantastic conversation to be a fly on the wall for. I, you know, I'm, a little, I'm a little surprised that Conrad and his crew weren't ahead of me on this thing, and this was, wasn't a panel that we were going to see today yeah. at StarCast. My gosh, You talk yeah, about I'd holding people over on Sunday that were maybe thinking just get ahead of time. Hey, because Jargo's back ready to go when we get done here recording. I know, sure, he's sure as hell he'd be sticking around for that one if it was in the works. Yeah, unfortunately, I have some family issues uh, back west I have to tend to today. That's why we're recording so early here on Sunday. Uh, let's move on to the, um, I don't even know how to explain this thing. This thing was a Chicago street fight, and it was also the comedy relief on the show, which it was a little bit of both. It was Hangman Page, of, uh, he defeats Joey Janela. But I'm not necessarily sure I would call this a, a victory for the hangman. Yeah, anytime uh, y- you might have gone over in the match, but anytime your exit uh, is essentially you're being carried out by dicks. Literally. Giant penises. Like, literally. <laughs> like, literally. It was amazing, okay? Like, they had, like, giant dicks. Now, you know, another, just, I guess so. It doesn't seem that we're all. We're not we're not all pro on this thing, you know. That they they did have some some flaws here. This isn't again back to back match where we saw a guy mixing it up with a girl. Yep. Uh, a little a little different though, because you know all this was by accident. And he showed concern, and this one, Hangman said, "Fuck it, you want to get in here? I'm gonna kill you." Yeah, and Penelope absolutely held her own. Uh, that's the first time I've really seen much of anything out of Penelope Ford. 
and she absolutely impressed the ever-loving hell out of me. Jargo, I'm going to say, for those out there that, that are still stuck on the eye candy, uh, she, she has something for you. And for those of you that just love in, the incredible athleticism of women, she has something for you. Yeah. Uh, that Matrix spot was unreal. Then Jargo, she heads up top. An amazing dive out to the floor. Yeah, I think I was more impressed with Penelope Ford than I was Joey Janela. And that's not a re- <laughs> dig on say, Joey Janela in say, any way. A lot of people coming into this thing weren't really familiar with Joey Janela. He just made himself in front of 11,000 plus people. Yeah, I'm not sure that anybody's career took a bigger upwards trajectory than Joey Janela last night. Uh, that close when he took the rite of passage off the top of a ladder through a table... I'm not sure that there's anybody in that building that didn't stand up with their hands on their head and yell, holy shit. That was an insane bump. Well, you know, it prompted another, you killed Joey chant. (laughs) The Joey killer rolled on. And then Joey came back to life. And I don't mean Janela, Hangman Page getting the big win. And then, of course, the King of Dong style had to uh, make his appearance and Rick, this was so ridiculous. Even before the return of the King of Dong style, the boots, yeah. the pop for the boots, and then the phone that he actually used it, that we believed that he had killed yes. the King of Dong style with makes an appearance. And you said, you know, all the props that they brought into this thing. Even one other thing before we get to the finish here, another lesson we were talking about, here's a lesson in how to use to highlight legends. Let's talk about product placement. Yeah, the Cracker Barrel. The Cracker Barrel. One of the fine sponsors of All In, Cracker Barrel. There's a, the giant Cracker Barrel comes into play as, as a foreign object. I guess not a foreign object, but as a, a, a weapon of destruction in this thing. A couple great spots where the place just popped when they reveal it's the Cracker Barrel. They did a, a hilarious Donkey Kong spot with it, uh, which was unreal. Uh, Janela was using it as a launching pad into the audience for, for a suicide dive. Great product placement. If this had been, let's say, somewhere to the Northeast, what we wouldn't have had is the legends back there uh, doing a comedy, a Cracker Barrel comedy sketch. This is how you do it right here. But anyway, back back to, I guess, the payoff for this thing. So we get the King of Sleaze, the King of Dong style. The ghost of Joey Ryan has returned and he is no longer a ghost. Uh, Joey Ryan evidently not dead, but... Joey Ryan did something last night, and we talked about it when we got back here to the hotel room, and you popped for it, and Carly popped for it, and I really think this is what we're going to do. I think we're going to get a cock coffin match. Yes, I think we are going to get a giant coffin that is shaped like a penis, and we're going to have a casket match. I guess, should we maybe go back to just for maybe those who hadn't actually seen this thing yet and, and try to describe it? I, it's it's Undertaker coming out with the Acolytes. If all the Acolytes were dressed as giant penises. The Druids. Yes, the Druids. Just, which people call them that so. Yes. If, if all the Druids were giant penises and the Undertaker was Joey Ryan. And, that's, and even to set it up, they go back to the scene where Joey's laying, you know, presumed dead in the hotel bed, and they zoom down to his crotch. Uh, and let's say, let's just say he rises again. Yes, Joey rises again. He rises again. Uh, and then you, you get the, the penis druids 
making their entrance. Jelly's big music hits. And, I, and you know what? I've been very critical of this entire gimmick. I've, but I've never seen it live. I still don't know if I particularly like it. But I will, you know what? I'll give him credit. I think he's starting to turn me on this. It is what it is. It, it's 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 over the top. It's incredibly ridiculous. It is a part of indie wrestling. And as I said, there's a lot on this show that isn't meant for me. There's things that weren't meant for you, Jagger. There's things that weren't really meant for everyone in that arena. You'd probably be hard pressed to find someone that truly loved everything on the show. But that was the best part about it. It was a real variety show. There was things for everyone. And I say, I started to come around this thing because it was just, it, it was over just, the top. It was just fucking hilarious. Yep. It's uh, Joey Ryan. No pun intended. The facials from <laughs> Hangman, the facials from Hangman, the way he was telling you know, those big, bright blue eyes just lighten up that, that just pure look of terror that overcome his face. When he sees Joey coming out, Absolutely the, king, the king of sleaze comes out, he oils up, he's got the lollipop. We get, you know, we get the big spots from him. Hangman is left, is left seemingly for dead there. And the penises carry him from the ring. And you get this, this might've been the chant of the night. And there, and there were some good signs and a few good chants that really, this, I don't really sick would call this one vulgar because it really works in the spot, but the rest in penis chant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cock caskets, man. It has to happen. Cock caskets. Could you imagine if Joey Ryan now starts doing the Undertaker gimmick? With, 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 like, combined with what he's already doing? I, I, had, I had told Rivera and, and Mize about this. As, no, it was Will and Mize as we were driving back to the after party. The, the only thing I, maybe you could add to this thing is, especially when he, he has risen was there if, if to play with the undertakers if you would have hit the d- dong <laughs> <laughs> if you would have hit the dong <laughs> great it's great let's talk about your ring of honor championship match of course flip gordon winning the over the budget battle royal he's taking on ring of honor world champion jay lethal or so we thought, as Jay Lethal is making his way to the ring, an unknown person who would turn out to be Lonnie Poffo hands Jay Lethal the glasses, yeah. And instead of getting Jay Lethal versus Flip Gordon, we had Black Machismo versus Flip Gordon, and then we had Jay Lethal versus Flip Gordon, and then once again we had Black Machismo versus Flip Gordon. Yeah, early in this match... Machismo just convinced it because Brandy's out with Flip. Uh, that was the best freaking spot, man. Just, just convinced it that she is Miss Elizabeth. We we get the uh, them reliving the re the reunion, <laughs> the reunion of Elizabeth and, and repositioning gonna, of Elizabeth. Yes. And we kind of run through the entire gauntlet of their their relationship <laughs> within like a two minute span here uh, before the match gets going. I, I think this. Again, you know, not a, you use some terms like this, and it's usually seen as a negative, not a knock, but I guess this was kind of like a cool down yeah, for it, the show. Once, and once we got the black machismo, we kind of knew that that was the direction it was going. Not that the match wasn't fantastic, right. because I very much enjoyed the match. Yeah, they, they got all their stuff in, good back and forth. Uh, and actually, during the match, I even kind of nudged you and told you during it, I, I kind of got lost in it where I wasn't real. I kind of phased out the match itself, but I was watching Mr. Poffo just on the outside and you go back to someone who 
you know, traditionalist that has learned the true art of it, he wasn't, he wasn't saying anything. He wasn't yelling. It was just his body language yeah. uh, from, you know, the exchanges between Flip and Lethal, you know, how he would react. That was something, you know, to me that, that I'll remember about this show, taking a true great like him, uh, a true traditionalist, a throwback that studies, you know, defined art form of professional wrestling. It was just cool. It was probably a good five minutes of this match. I didn't even pay attention to a move. I was just watching how he handled himself. And once again, you know, we talk about how, oh, yeah, this is just a one-off show. There's not really anything going forward here. Yeah, well, we've seen about, what, four or five months now of Jay Lethal slowly turning back into Black Machismo, and, and that's... Uh, an idea that I like to credit uh, Ben Hameen and Stevie Richards in the Friday locker room for. They kind of called out Jay Lethal saying that his character work was lacking and the best thing that he ever did was black machismo. And literally within a couple of weeks, we're, we're getting the evolution back into black machismo, which I'm fine with. I like the black machismo character. I'm just not sure I want to see black machismo walking around with the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I, I can go. I can see you there. You, you like you. You particularly like your Ring of Honor champion to be very serious. That traditional. Ring I want. I want to be a traditional champion. That, that's what you want there. I, I could see that. How long do you think that he'll he'll keep that title? Or do you think? Do you see there's some big plans coming up? Are we going to see a switch soon? Or I'm, do you think he'll ride it till final battle? I I have been saying for months now. Matt Taven is winning that title in December at final battle. I think you end up with Matt Taven versus Jay Lethal at final battle. And Matt Taven finally claims the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. Then I think that would be maybe appropriate time. You go into 2019, let Lethal kind of pull back a little bit, work more of the character style, yep. then go full Black Machismo there. One more thing I was to mention, you know, a great finish, great kind of exchange there at the end to hit the Lethal Injection to win this thing for, for Jay. But just to give props, I was talking about how good – Mr. Poffo was on the outside and everyone talks about how, you know, Cody has just taken himself to new heights since leaving WWE. Uh, major shout out, you know, props to Brandy Rhodes. Absolutely. She did such an incredible job this entire evening. Uh, but just, you know, just her little subtle movements is working that corner out there in this match. Tremendous job for her. She has come such a long way from just being, you know, relegated to a backstage announcer for NXT yep. in WWE. Uh, Let's talk about Flip real quick. I love Flip Gordon. I think he's one of the most exciting young wrestlers in the world. I can't take him seriously as a contender to the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship, though, at this point. And that's why I think, you know, this was more of a cool down. I don't think anyone, you know, there was, there was. Nobody any- thought Flip was winning this belt. Right. And there were some seriously close finishes in this thing. And it wasn't like we'd seen for the rest of the night where people would jump out of their seats. Yeah. Everyone stays seated pretty much for this one. And it's, you're right. Flip is a tremendous talent, great athlete. He, he's kind of got that backstory that you can't help but get behind and support, you know, with, you know, his, his service to them in the military. But with that, it's he kind of really embodies the style that I don't like. Yep. He's the poster yep. child for that. Yep. Uh, my, my favorite moments with Flip <coughs> are when Bully Ray is beating the shit out of him. Yeah, of course, after the match, Bully has to come out and make his appearance once again and mindlessly murder Flip Gordon because that's what Bully Ray does. And then, this, and then we get a good feel-good moment here, you know. Uh, Cabana makes the big save. Those that were in attendance from Chicago, everyone knows where he's from, so you got to give him that Chicago love. 
and we get the big, uh, the triple power bomb. I was, I, I, I thought it was hilarious that as they were setting up the triple power bomb, just to be trolls, the entire Chicago crowd goes, ooh ah. th- I was wondering if, how they were going to set that up. I thought maybe Flip was going to be in the, the Roman, the big dog spot. <laughs> but I, then after they put Colt there, you know, it, it occurred to me, it's like, I don't know if they could have pulled, pulled the move off <laughs> with Flip in the big dog spot. But the visual there would have been tremendous. It, that would have been great. I, uh, I wish we would have got a big fist bump at the end. <laughs> Get the three-way fist bump. Let's just troll them a little bit more. Let's move on to your uh, your first main event of the night. Kenny Omega, Pentagon Jr. This shit was insane. Um, Rick, I know that you are not the, the biggest Kenny Omega fan in the world. Um, you're, not, you're not as big of a Kenny fan as I am. And I know that you don't watch Lucha, so you don't see a whole lot of Pentagon, even though you know who he is. You know his moveset. I, I think there was a, a sign in the audience that perfectly summed up, you know, Penta to everyone. And it was that hardcore guy from TNA. <laughs> Which is just hilarious. What did you think of Kenny Omega versus Pentagon Jr.? Ups and downs here. I, I, it, it was their style of match, and the audience really ate this thing up. Again, this was one of those things that really wasn't for me. It's, there were so many spots in here where it was just like, okay, how does someone get up You're from You're dead. That? You should be dead. And there, what was the spot out on the apron? Yeah, the uh, package powerbomb on the apron. And it kind of reminded me of you know, going back in the day when you hit a big move like that, it was more in a kayfabe sense, like, how can he, how can he come back from this? You know, is that going to finish him? Now I feel more like it, that's not what the pop and the, the awe is about. Now it's about... How many finishes can you kick out of and how, right. what, well, what's the craziest things we can think of to then, do to one another? And then, I, don't, I guess it's kind of hard to describe. Look, if you've seen a move like that 15, 20 years ago, it was, can he get up from that? Now it's almost like you're just... You're more in shock at, oh, I can't even believe he would try that on somebody. 20 years ago, if you would have taken a package powerbomb on the apron, you would be out of action for at least six months. You would be on TV for four of those months in a neck brace. It it meant either that or you were getting repackaged or you were going to another company. Yeah. And, you know, and that was early in the match. And then we've seen a Baker's dozen more of, you know, high damage finishers like that. To me, and I get, that's what these guys about. The crowd was eating this thing up. This is one of those matches and a series of moves in there that, that wasn't for me. I had my moments already in the show. I had more to come. Of course, the, the biggest story coming out of this match. Well, actually, there's one thing about this match that really irritated me. Kenny Omega, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Where was the fucking belt? You know what's kind of weird about that is uh, Blanchard didn't have her. Is that aired yet? Sorry if I. Yes, it is. That is aired. I didn't want to see anything up there. She didn't have hers. The cage didn't have the X division title. Right, and you had all these. The only you had obviously lethal there because it was for right. Obviously, we had the NWA because it was for that. But the Bucks had. Well, the Bucks and uh, Cody. All were presented, quote unquote, all okay, so in championships. Okay, the Bucks had their yes. all in. 
So they didn't have their any of their actual championships. No, none of the IWGP championship belts were here. Um, Phoenix did have the AAA Mega Championship with him. I did. I thought about that. It's like, where's the fucking well, belt? I thought about that during the show, actually, when you, when you bring when you mention it. And at first was, you would think with all these companies giving their blessing, and we've seen a lot of the management was in town, that they would be okay with that. I think maybe there's a chance that they didn't want to confuse people. Yeah. There's also a chance that New Japan was like, yeah, you guys can go ahead and do that, but we're keeping the belts over here because we don't want them lost. Like Ibushi shit. Yeah. I mean, for those that don't know, Ibushi had some serious travel issues. Uh, he ended up stuck at O'Hare Airport. Uh, pretty much left with just his ring gear, his passport, and $20 uh, before they could sort anything out. I, I guess the rumors that they eventually found his wallet and they're tracking down everything else. But traveling halfway across the world, not a, a pleasant experience, present experience for him. But then I thought to myself, sitting there, you know, possibly for new viewers, the people that have just got onto this hype train, I uh, you know we've, we've had so many people just contacting us, uh, you know, that, you know, trying to get some details, you know, some backstory. What, how big is this thing going to be? What is this really about that wanted to jump on board, that want to get on the movement going forward? So if you see all these guys coming out with championships, it might be confusing. Like, does all in have belts? Are these championship matches? Right. You know, just kind of take that out of it. Make about the talent in the in-ring action that was going on. So let's talk about the big post-match angle. Because um, we're not sure what – we haven't seen the broadcast as of yet, so we don't know what the camera tricks did. Um, well, I know the arena went black. The arena goes black. And everyone pretty much is, you know, you just kind of hear, oh, geez, well, oh, geez are coming. And immediately when the arena goes black, your eyes go directly to the entrance. Um, my eyes actually went, there was an exit in the back of the arena that kind of looked like there was a little lobby there. My brain immediately went there because I thought, okay, if the OGs are coming to attack, it's not like they're coming down the ramp. This isn't a WWE show. We're not going to hit the OGs music and then have them come down. And, you know, th that's not how this is going to work. And then I don't know if it was Kelsey or if it was somebody sitting with her made the comment about, oh, that was pretty funny. Penta got out of the ring and then they were like, no, dude, you're dead. Get back in there. And so he rolled back in the ring and he's dead again. And then we found out, hey, wait. That's not Penta. And, well, immediately when he stood up, everyone knew who it was. And, and, and it was the, the pop of the evening. And it was the tattoos. For those of us that were in attendance, uh, Pentagon Jr. has some very clearly distinguished marking tattoos, as does the individual who was dressed up in the Pentagon Jr. outfit. Y2J, Chris Jericho, makes his appearance at All In, takes out Kenny Omega and announces to Kenny that he will see him on the cruise. Um, I don't really know if that was necessary. I'm not really sure that we're going to get Kenny versus Jericho 2 on the cruise. I'm not really sure about any of that. The important thing here is Chris Jericho appeared on pay-per-view for a company that was not the WWE in Chicago, Illinois. Well, he still held true to what he said. He said on television. And he was not advertised, which also helps. Uh, hey, what, one of the best kept secrets for a long time. I mean, Friday evening, he was at a Fozzie concert. Yeah. You've seen all the praise all over social media talking about how they enjoyed the show. And all. I'm not exactly sure where that was, uh, but immediately he is heading to Chicago, Illinois, to the suburbs of Chicago. Not a word all day. Nothing. Not a sighting. 
no Nothing. rumblings that Jericho was on his way, and you've got you've got yeah from us on the way up to the top. You got some of the, you know, the the top reporters in all professional wrestling. There, you've got some of the greatest fans in professional wrestling, all under one roof, all in one city. And no one was able to leak this thing. And this is one of those things that, that just, I know of because I wasn't on the sheets yesterday. But this is one of those things that just irritates me and pisses me off because you hear from WWE fans all the time. Oh, you can't keep anything a secret anymore. Well, it just happened in Chicago, Illinois, where there's 11,000 of the biggest freaking marks that you're ever going to see. And none of us knew that Jericho was even remotely close to Chicago. So now that he was at all in, I'm going to go out on a line here. I'm going to say you are absolutely going to see Chris Jericho at bound for glory. And I think you are absolutely going to see Chris Jericho at death before dishonor for ring of honor leading up to the cruise. I would have to, I would juggle. I'd have to agree with you there. And now what kind of roles he's going to play? Like, cause you said, you know, he just told Kenny, I'll see you on the cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe he takes out a major player at Impact and says, "I'll see you on the." I'll cruise. see you on the cruise. You know, he just did it to to Kenny, the IWGP champion. Maybe uh, Austin Aries is in store for a little surprise. He's going to see the, the Impact champ on the cruise or something like that. You know, is Jay Lethal advertised for the cruise? I think so. Yeah, yeah, he's in the tournament. Oh, that's right. That's right. So perhaps uh, Y2J takes out Jay Lethal. Well, I wonder as if, well. since he's. Uh, claim the championship since then if he'll be replacing the tournament but I do expect him to still be you know participating in the events there yeah all right let's talk about what was uh, one of my favorite matches on the show and this is only because myself and the wife were pulling for different uh, participants to win and we were right I actually you were a little outnumbered I was so incredibly you were, you were surrounded by Marty Marks I was wearing a Marty shirt, for God's sake. I love Marty's girl. You're the only one wearing the Marty shirt, rooting against Marty, <laughs> for surrounded by Marty Marks. Um, 205 Marty Live, Marks. Yes, 205 Marty Live. Uh, have a tea party with Marty. Uh, Marty Skrull, the villain, taking on the greatest IWGP heavyweight champion in history, Kazuchika Okada. I was so happy to see Okada live. Oh my gosh, I was so happy to see Okada live. Yeah, I, I kind of I nudged you there again. It was one of those like, and I, this one the time I did it, you, you kind of look like a kid at Christmas. Yeah, uh, just the, the the ah that you had there, man. It was something something spectacular to see. Uh, we've all seen him in the ring. We know what he what he brings there. That coin drop, man. As soon as that coin hit, that place erupted. We were talking about this, the car ride all through the after party. Just the man's presence. Yeah. He he just He oozes it. The energy around him, he he demands your your attention. You're on the edge of your seat. There's something very special about him. Now my question to you is, because of course here in the United States, we have to take everything and put it into a WWE context. And, and that is fair. You know, go back. We've a couple of people were saying, well, why is everything got to be comparable? Well, it's fair to compare because they are the biggest company in the world. They are the ones that we that have 4,000 hours of programming in a month that we right. that is shoved down our, our throats. Pat Patterson, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to use that joke like nonstop now. 
go choke on Pat Patterson's dick. I mean, Roman Reigns. Um, I guess my question for you is, number one, I'm going to put this out there right away. There is a 0% chance Kazuchika Okada is ever going to come to the WWE. You might as well just put that out of your mind right now. Last year, uh, there were two wrestlers inside of the WWE who made more money than Kazuchika Okada. Their names are Brock Lesnar and John Cena. There is a 0% chance Vince McMahon is going to give Kazuchika Okada that kind of a contract. Especially, he speaks English, but not real fluently. He's kind of a bad version of Nakamura when it comes to English. But Okada is paid very well by New Japan Pro Wrestling. He is now the franchise of New Japan, at least as far as I'm concerned. Suck at Tanahashi. Well, you know, a lot of those guys that were that jumped, that left like a Nakamura, it was because he saw that they had been replaced by Okada. Right. And New Japan had shown, you know, they were working then on the year-to-year deal. Okada was the first one to get that extended one. He was the horse that they were strapping the wagon to. Yep. And, and it's a genius move because I, I have nothing bad that I can say about Okada when it comes to him as a performer. I've actually, I've seen like Nakamura at his high. To, and it's not even comparable. Uh, as, no? as incredible as he is. Uh, the feel you get with him, it's not even comparable to the star power, the attraction of Okada. So let's say Okada did come to the WWE just because he was bored and he he wanted to like, hey, I'm going to go do this for a year. I'm going to take an excursion and then I'll be back. Where would Okada fit into a WWE landscape in your mind? That's a tough question because I've got to be honest with you, I don't even want to think about it. No, I know, right? It, it's like... I, I look at Okada and I feel like he's just, he's above all of it. And it, it's just the way he carries himself. He, there is some innate trait that says, I'm a big deal. Pay attention to me. You know, and Okada's really, got it. Really, you know, just not Okada. You know, looking at this, at this show, there's constantly conversations. We've had them with different talents. You know, how would they fit in if they did go? Yeah. And ultimately, it always is, you know, go get that money if you can. And for a lot of these guys, it is. But like you throw it out there. With Okada? Okada doesn't the, need the, this. The money's not the issue. She doesn't need this. No. The pick up and move his whole life halfway around the world. Or, you know, just not even half, around the world. Around the world, literally. For possibly a pay cut. Right. It doesn't make any sense. But even in the clothes, you know, sitting there seeing the elite. Really what they had there, that moment, what they could potentially do with the, the balls they have, with the, that these guys have to push forward, to try anything, to see how far they can go. I'm almost 100% rooting that they don't make that jump back. Yeah. I see, you know, go get that guaranteed money. But the position you're in right now, I have a feeling that they're sitting somewhere saying, you know what? We don't need those motherfuckers. It was probably in the back of their mind. It's great money. We could go there. But I mean, look at this. Look at the merchandise that was moved. Look at the, you know, just not the show. Outside of the wrestling product. Every time I went Look at the business that was done. Every time I went out onto the concourse, they had a line for the merch stand that was so long, I couldn't even see the merch stand. At no point last night did I see any of the merch that they had for sale because the line was so goddamn long, I didn't want to stand in line for that long to to even look. Yeah. I don't, to go back to to your question... I don't even want to think about it. I don't really think they would waste him. There would be nothing for them to do there. What about Marty? 
What do we do with Marty at this point? Obviously, Marty is not a heavyweight. He is lost to the Rainmaker, which there's no shame in. This, I mean, this God. was a moral victory for Marty. I mean, Okada put down Kenny three times hey, before over, Kenny finally got him. Overall, this was my second favorite match. Of the I game. enjoyed the hell out of this match. I remember you complaining. You're, you mean to tell me the fucking IW, the longest reigning IWGP champion, he's going to be a cool down match before the main event? I was pissed. And as soon as... I it, was pissed. Yeah, and as soon as it was over, the, the couple gentlemen sitting in front of us, they turned around and looked right at Jarka and were like, so much for a fucking cool down match. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and the crowd seemed a little slow into this one because you just came off an extreme high there. With, well, with after the Jericho thing, it was right. just... You, you come off such a high there. So when I like this, they kind of redirect the show. They change the speed up. We come out here early in this match. We get some great character work. Yep. You know, Marty just he's struggling with the size of Okada. And Okada just kind of laughing off like, okay, man, you, you want to play with the big boys? Let's see what you got here. And, you know, he's, his, his back's hurt. He can't move Okada. He's trying to do some power moves and all that. But then, you know, we go to the finger spots. Yep. And, he, and he starts working. He works, starts working smarter than harder. And he starts getting some momentum going, and Marty starts showing some people, hey, this is going to be a fun, entertaining match, some great near falls. That may be a one-time match. We may never see that match yeah. ever again. I think, you know, this was more about so many people that have never had the chance to see Okada to just let them know how special this guy is. Uh, this, when he is, when he comes stateside, this is something you are not going to want to miss. And going, it did it did business for Marty going forward because he had a tremendous, you know, tremendous showing. This could be a great story of him trying to, you know, go into that old uh, Crash Holly thing, where you know he's convinced in his head, but he just can't get through, you know, break through that wall to, you know, to get into the heavyweight division. I like it. And then of course, uh, now <laughs> this is poor Marty. Not only has he lost to the greatest heavyweight in the world. Now he's in a four-person tournament to reclaim the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Congratulations, Marty. Know your role. Skrull versus Osprey coming in Long Beach. I would almost love if he like pulled himself out like, no, nope, nope, I'm, I'm a heavyweight. Yep, I'm a heavyweight now. I'm a heavyweight. So great. So great. Let's talk about your main event. Uh, and I, I think we need to educate some people as to just what in the hell happened here because we know more than they do. Uh, the main event goes all of about 11 minutes. And I know there are some people that are very unhappy with the finish of the main event. Uh, they're not necessarily satisfied with the main event. Rey Mysterio, Rey Phoenix, and Bandito, who, if you didn't know who Bandito was, you sure as shit do now, uh, taking on Kota Ibushi and the Young Bucks. This match only goes about 11 minutes. Um, I will play the audio of what happened after... All in went off the air here at the end of the episode. Uh, they went off the air with three seconds to spare. This was cut seriously four times. Three minutes. I thought he said three seconds. Three minutes because because at the end he said the show started at so and so and then ended it with the fifty seven. 
with the 57 marks of three minutes. So they were cutting it close. Yes, they, they, they were cut for time. It, it That's why it was the way that it was. It will be interesting to see, you know, where they ran long, because it's kind of hard to, you know, as watching the show to kind of figure it out, because the pacing, and they were moving quick the entire night. Marty and Okada went like 26 minutes. They might have slowed some things down with the character work. Yeah, they, they, they could have cut that down to at least 20 minutes, gave six minutes to the main event, and as, as you said, that, you know, that thing all. goes 11, and a lot of people were upset. You know, for me, I thought it was the perfect timing because there was so much going on in this match. It was so quick. It just ended abruptly. I, th- I think that's what people are like, wait, what the hell happened? My, see, if I was at home watching this thing, my only knock on this would have been because we saw the, the blackout logo on the, on the Tron. Yep. Uh, so you get the pin and you really didn't have that, that every, the, you know, the 11,000 chanting all in, all that we had. You know, personally in the arena, it just kind of faded out. They, they lost kind of that big pop to send you off the air to send the thing home. Hopefully the announce team was able to save that to really s- send it home to the, the home audience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Ian Riccoboni and Don Callis and Delirious on well, commentary. And then, and then all the other guests that they had there. Yeah. Yeah, it's Neil Dashwood, Mandy Leon. Um, there was Shaw stepped in there for a little bit yep. in that, and so they had some different people out there. Yeah, I guess uh, the deal was uh, when Don Callis got up and left, mm-hmm. and we were all wondering what the hell was going on. Evidently, he got an urgent message that Kenny needed him backstage. Well, that plays into because he Jericho gave him a good old check out of that chair uh, on his way out. Uh huh. And a lot of people in the arena had missed that. They thought that he actually his chair had broken. They didn't know what had happened, but it was Jericho. Gave it was him a Jericho check on being Jericho. Out. But yeah, to, for me, that match ended kind of. I mean, it did end abruptly, but the time was perfect. Yeah, I mean, they got a lot of stuff in. There was a lot of stuff in. There was one point during that main event. I guess I, I got to come out and just admit this thing. I forgot who was on whose team. Like, what? Who's? 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 Who, right? Who's the legal man here? What is happening? I mean, there was bodies flying everywhere. But going in, you knew that was going to happen. It was yeah. going to be an absolute, you know, train wreck—a pile up on I seventy-five. That's one thing, what it was. One thing I thought was hilarious before the main event started is uh, while they were running like a little video package or something, they send out a bunch of guys to come tighten all the top ropes. I was like, oh, yeah, make sure them sons of bitches are tight. Yep. We're going to be needing them. Yep. They're running the graphic, the video package, and they're out there reinforcing those ropes. Yeah. And boy, did they get a workout. Um, much love to Rey Mysterio. I absolutely loved the Wolverine Rey Mysterio uh, get up. That may be uh, my favorite uh, Rey Mysterio costume since he did the Joker at uh, WrestleMania a couple years back. Um, how much of Ray Phoenix have you seen? I, I know he's on Impact now, so you see him there I've seen a him bit. There. I've seen him there, and then you know he kind of piqued my interest, so I've went and found some other things from him. Incredible talent. Yeah, he's something else. Really love the exchange with him and Ibushi with the kicks early in the match. Yeah, I'd love to see that as a singles one-on-one match. Kota Ibushi and Ray Phoenix. And speaking of Ibushi real quick, one of the pops tonight is when he stepped in and squared off against Ray Mysterio. Yeah, just those uh, two place, guys place being in the ring. Yeah, those two guys being in a ring together. That was pretty cool because, again, when are you ever going to see and, that you know, again? With Ibushi live, you know, not the same as Okada, but something very special about him. You can just tell he's such an incredible athlete, such an incredible performer. Yeah, and the Bucks and Abushi worked really, really well together. I was very interested to see how that chemistry would work out. I think uh, the, the Tongans better hold on to them never uh, six-man open championships because uh, I could see uh, the Golden Bucks coming to get those. I, I, I dig well, the Young that, Bucks yeah. uh, having the uh, the matching uh, trunks and everything with Abushi too. That was very Worked cool. Good. 
very cool. Um, so I guess overall thoughts, Huckleberry. Let's let's encompass this whole weekend before I tear apart this studio, load it back into this big ass bag, load it in my car, drive four and a half hours home. What did you think of Starcast and All In Weekend? You know, as I said at the top of the show, this was more than just a wrestling convention, than just a wrestling show. This was was more about you know a great movement. Uh, just just not from the wrestling. You know, just the entering product wise, this was a great move, a great move for the entire business uh, to show that there is a want, a desire, a need for an alternative. You know, different kinds of outlets for, from even merchandising, promotions for product placement, for things like that. There, there is an entire other avenue that professional wrestling can travel down, and that we saw that this weekend. So much more than what we see in the ring than just wrestling different styles like that. This is going to be something that changes from top to bottom this entire business. So we're going to go ahead and do the close. Um, And then rather than signing off with a song today, I will play you what happened at the end of All In. It's about six minutes long. You get to hear from uh, Matt, Cody, Kenny, what a great experience, man. This has been a lot of fun. A lot of fun. There, and even if there is an all-in, too, it's not going to be the same. I'm happy that we did this. And I'm happy that I'm here with you doing this. Oh, uh, you know, and, and, you know, outside of that, just, you know, you asked me my thoughts over the weekend about what I saw from the wrestling side of this thing. Uh, very, very cool. You know, we've been, you know, sitting here recording. This is year and one day. Yeah. Uh, we've come into each other's lives for, like, family. We know each other's. We know each other's families. We talk every day. Uh, first time we've ever actually met was this weekend. Uh, I say it was an absolute pleasure, man. I feel like I have a brother here, a sister, and Carly. Uh, we were roommates for the weekend. <laughs> we've spent hours upon hours together over at the convention center. We probably, by the time Drago gets out of here, have logged just work-wise probably in a couple days, forty hours. Forty, here. yeah, <laughs> in just a couple days. Uh, you're heading out. My day's not over. I'm going over to meet some of the other amazing individuals that we're able to, to meet up with here. Uh, William Macia, Boney Munez. Uh, Adam it. Rivera. I was just going to put him over, man. Got to put I, my I, homie over, man. He has he was, been a knockout all I, weekend. I have been with him since the moment I pulled into Chicago. Man, this, he is a character, man. He's a hustler. He gets it done. Yeah, we're recording here Sunday, so you guys are going to see some content out in the Hami Media uh, discussion group on our personal pages before this airs. Uh, and through it, Adam and I are going to a show tonight where we've got some press passes. We're going to have a great time there. But, man, he, he's an awesome guy, man. I'm, I'm very sorry I'm not going to be able to make that. But, unfortunately, some things are more important. So, um, enjoy the audio. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you Friday over at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. That's right. We renewed it for another year. You're going to get another year's worth of the huckleberries inside of your ear holes. So, I guess for now... Thank you for listening. Thank you, Chicago. We're off like a prom dress. See ya! I know when you make a bet, sometimes uh, you go double or nothing.
of being the elite. And my family, my great friends, my cast of bandits, we will give you more of this. Because we couldn't have done this without you. Chicago, this was one of my favorite, you know what, this was my favorite night of my career. You know what I like? Everyone is still in this building. All in is this serendipitous tale of things just falling in line one after another, and one of those things is not only did I find colleagues right here, not only did I find peers, these people are my best friends in the entire world. And that big question of what happens next with this group, we are sticking together. this show. I was merely a piece of the puzzle. I give all the credit in the world to Cody and the Young Bucks for what we've done today. That being said, that being said, I don't at all feel like an egomaniac when I say, my God, that was probably the greatest pro wrestling show I've ever been a part of. Oh. 
guys know where I come from. You guys know where some people want me to go, but guess freaking what? Guess freaking what? What we did today blew everything out of the water. not just talking about the match quality. That's not talking about this incredible cast of characters. Guess what the most important ingredient is? Did you figure it out yet? Oh yes! It's each and every single one of you! You guys believe in the change. You believe in the movement. You believe in the alternative. And thus, we shall continue this journey, but for now, we all must bid you adieu. So please, with me now, if you will, goodbye!